Are we live? Oh God, we're live. Okay. Didn't make me put in anything. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I can't see you. Oh, hang on. Maybe I got to start this. Okay. Yeah, we're live. There it is. Cool. Yeah, it's up. All right. I got. Hello. Hello. Welcome, everyone. Come say hi. Oh, I want to put us in. Yeah, put us side by side, like gallery view. Hi, Heather. Hi, Rebecca. I think we are. Okay, there you go. Now we are. Beautiful. Okay, so we asked some, we asked what you guys were struggling with yesterday. So we'll tackle those questions. And if you guys have questions that you want us to chat about as well, you can feel free to go ahead and drop them in the comments. Yeah, and just for some people who may know or may not know us, like a lot of you have come in here through most likely social growth fault, but the bigger picture that Coraline and I work on is helping coaches and course creators scale online businesses. Um, so, you know, in terms of business questions, we are happy to talk about it all. I'll stop talking now because I got the hiccups. You got hiccups. <laughs> so, yeah, but you guys can ask questions from anywhere from, you know, that social media side of things, which is also really important. Anything about course creation, turning your knowledge into courses, you know, scaling that online business, whether you're trying to hit that first $2,000 in that first $10,000 in, and then getting that to the place where you're hitting those 20 and 30 K months, which we've been able to do for a lot of our clients and now for ourselves, which is really fun. Um, so we're here to answer all the questions that you guys might have, but let's start off by tackling the ones that were already answered. Who's here with us. We've got Meeks. We've got Heather. Hi. Hi guys. Hi, 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 hi. There's a few more. Say hi. We see, we see you're here. We just don't see your face. Yeah, we see you. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Okay, so. Okay, so question number one from, I'm going to tag her in here. Who was it? It was uh, Megan Griffith. Megan did the idea to income challenge a little while ago and had such incredible results. She's already launched her program and got that first round going and she's live with us. Perfect. So um, Megan is asking a question about rebranding. What's the number one mistake you see people make when they rebrand and do you have any tips for avoiding it? I love branding. Branding is my favorite. Branding. Yeah. I would say branding is more Coraline's thing. I can, I can stay within brand consistency, but creating branding, not my jam. Not your jam. Yeah. I, I know. I know a lot about it, but doing it, I hate doing it. Yeah. I love the branding. Um, you know, the biggest mistake that I see people make Megan is over complicating it and overdoing it from the beginning. And what I mean by that is having like a color palette with like six different colors on it and a logo that's like, really over the top and overdone with a lot of thin lines. We want to really, really, really be looking at big brands that exist today and looking at their transformations of their logos, of their branding over time to give us a lot of clues and tips as to what not to do when we start. And if we look at any of the major logos, and it's really funny because I actually have a social media post coming out about this in the next couple of days, but we look at any of the major logos, whether that's Nike, Starbucks, IBM, Apple, their logos start out very colorful. They start out with a lot of like cursive font sometimes and different graphics and different images. And 
what they do to their logos and to their branding over time is simplify it. So if you look at the Starbucks logo, for example, it used to be this like very intricate siren. That is what the Starbucks logo is, is a mermaid, right? It used to be this very intricate siren with like the copy of Starbucks underneath it. And if you look at the progression of their branding over time, they really went from having that green, black, and white. They kept that consistency, but their logo in and of itself got simpler and simpler and simpler. The original Starbucks logo was green, black, and brown, which is really funny. And now if you think about it, you know the Starbucks logo. Everybody knows it. It's a green circle. It is a mermaid. You know, it's kind of um, vague in the way that you look at it. And that's really, really intentional. So brands do this because of the way that the human mind processes information. And it's much easier for your mind to associate something um, with a symbol than anything else, like something that's visual, right? Storytelling is the most compelling format that we have in terms of generating sales and getting our brand messaging out there. But from a logo perspective, the simpler, the better. It's why Nike just has the swoosh. They don't even include the just do it anymore or the Nike word anymore. It literally is just the swoosh. And so I think from the get-go and from the beginning, you want to be picking like max three colors that you're going to be using and your logos should be really freaking simple. So for example, you can even look in the coaching type space for ideas into this. If you look at Tony Robbins, Marie Forleo, Danielle Laporte, um, you know, Rachel Hollis, who obviously has some like drama around her, but she has built a massive business. So let's not, you know, forget that. Um, but if you look at all of their logos, it really is just their name in black type. And when you look at their logos from the beginning, they had these emblems and they had these like, you know, these flowers and these, and these things all attached to them, which over time they have dropped simply because the most important thing with your branding is that your people know who you are and that it sticks. And so Tony Robbins just has Tony Robbins, Marie Forleo. Yes, it's in cursive, but it just says Marie Forleo. Um, there's no fluff. And so when you're rebranding your programs, I want you to cut out the fluff, right? Everyone's really attached to these like big fluffy logos or these logos that really exemplify the business. And you're thinking about yourself when you're thinking about that. The client, there's no client in the world who is ever like, oh, I bought Nike shoes because, I mean, now we buy it because of the logo, right? But in terms of like coaching or buying a course, no one's buying your offer because of your logo. It's just, it's not what's part of their decision-making fa factor. What is part of their decision-making factor is how professional your branding is. And the more complicated, the more colors, the more complex your logos are or your pages are, um, the less professional it looks. So less is definitely more when it comes to branding. Pick one or two fonts max. Make sure those fonts are legible. Fonts that people cannot read are absolutely useless to you, right? And I hate seeing this in the online space. People pick these cursive fonts and nobody can read them, which means no one is actually getting the value out of your content. So pick one to two fonts. I recommend a serif and a sans serif. Pick black and a like a differentiating color, maybe black and orange or something that kind of pops. But over time, you're going to simplify and simplify. So you might as well just cut out that process for yourself now. Keep it as easy, as clean, as professional as possible. Um, the more you overcomplicate it, the more overcomplicated your client feels and the less professional your actual brand and your business looks. So less is more when it comes to branding.
Yeah. And let's remember what branding is all about, guys. It's an easy way to be recognized, right? Like that Nike swoosh is known all over the, the world. That mer the Starbucks mermaid cup, that mermaid logo is known all over the world. Like it doesn't matter, right? Because that's what branding is about. It's about being known for something. And so when we start marketing things, it becomes so much easier, right? And so let's say you do have a symbol, right? In, in your logo, it we get so caught up with wanting to have a symbol and then our name and the this and the that. It's like, if you're gonna have a symbol, just have it be a symbol right like yeah. if something is so stuck to you that it is like you need that symbol as part of your branding then just allow it to be that symbol and have that fucking symbol plastered everywhere because someone's going to look at someone's going to see your stuff and then one day once you've blown up and they see that symbol they're like oh my god i know that right like i know that so branding is all about just how it's it's a representation of who you are and that's why you've seen a lot of people before in the past we used to see a lot of people you know really focused on um having to have certain things in their branding like having to have a tagline in their branding having to have you know a specific title in their branding right like the life coach or tony tony robbins uh executive coach i forget what he used to be called but now everybody's just dropped that fluff right because the brand is them and i remember when i first started my business ages ago it was really like no do not do not use your name as your brand. It was really like no one was doing that at the time. And I even created my LLC business. Like I remember my account being like, I was like, I just want it to be my name. Chantal Destiny Inc. And he's like, nobody does that. And I was like, I'm doing it. Right. Like, because to me, I just felt like that was my brand. And then I, I veered off a little bit and I started listening to what other people said. And that's when I created the badass CEO, babe. And I hated it. I hated every moment of it because I felt like I needed to be something that I'm not. And that wasn't what I was. Chantal Gessier, me, my branding represents me wholly. And then when I left, when I let go of that badass CEO, babe, it was literally just my name that's it right like so simple and it's like it's not even your name a lot of times that's going to pop out if you can pick like Corlin said if you can pick a color scheme that's so simple that people know like it's a specific orange with that black people are going to know that orange anywhere they go and anytime they see that kind of variation of orange they're going to be reminded of you yeah right and so that's how mark that's how branding works once we get into the marketing space as well branding yeah. is just a way to stand out and to be recognized and so the easier it is the the more you will stand out it's that simple it's it's not the flashier it is the more it stands out the easier it is the more you will stand out yeah and you also we also have to you know and like a really good point just to add on to that is branding is also about consistency really good brands are consistent really big businesses who make a lot of revenue are consistent right starbucks no matter what starbucks you walk into whether that's one here in toronto canada or one all the way across the world in bali you know that if you're ordering a non-fat latte you're getting a non-fat latte and that's what it's going to taste like um the same is to be said with brands in the online space brands who are building course-based businesses we want that consistency we want someone to see your logo or see your social post and go oh that's megan 
right? Oh, I know that that's Megan. And that's really what we're looking for to create. And in order to create that, the easier, the better, right? And you guys have all been on websites that like look a certain way and have certain colors. Then you land on their social media profiles and it's totally different. Then you get into their programs and it's another bunch of different colors. There's no resonance there. There's nothing in there that goes, oh, this is Megan's you know, this is Megan's business. I'm in Megan's business when you're going through all these different avenues. And so the simpler you allow your branding to be, the easier it is to maintain consistency across platforms. And that consistency across platforms is what makes you professional. It's what gives your clients an incredible experience. And it's the most important part in terms of getting your client from seeing your content on social media to investing in a course or program or an offer with you. So just allow yourself to keep it simple and clean, allow it to be simple and clean so that you can apply it consistently across every platform possible. Um, it really, really is important in terms of that resonance and that um, ability for people to see your content anywhere and go, oh, that's Megan or, oh, that's Heather. Um, oh, that's designed to scale, right? So we want yeah. to make sure that that consistency is there and present. Yeah. Um, and and because we do this kind of stuff all the time, like, and we check out other people's websites all the time, we can tell you, like, we know a couple of the bigger branding websites. We can tell you, we're like, right away, we're like, oh, this is this company that did this website hundred yeah. percent. We're like always right because they, even though they create different websites for everyone, they have a specific consistency that they keep. That's why the people go to them because they want that specific kind of looking website. So we know, Right. So it's like, the you look at it, <laughs> the moment you look at it, you're like, oh, this is this fucking agency that did this. Right. So it's don't overthink it. It might change 10 more times, guys. Yep. It's going to change. It's going to change. I think we take this rebranding thing way too seriously. We spend too much time, too much money doing it. When the reality is like, just stick something, just create something right now that sticks with you that feels right with you and where your brand is, make it as simple as possible with you and stay as consistent as possible. Yeah. The reality with branding is that we see a lot of big brands on the internet. You know, we can look at Tony Robbins and the Marie Forleo's and whoever else that you guys look up to who I would consider to be like seven figure businesses. So they've earned over a million dollars and we look at their branding and we think that the branding is the reason why they have the 7 million, but it's the exact opposite. The branding is a result of generating 7 million that they had the time and the money to invest in doing that. It wasn't the first step. And I think that's where we get really caught up as like newer business owners is looking at where people are and thinking, oh, the fancy photo shoots or what got them there. And, you know, <laughs> this clean logo and this nice website, like those are the things that they have and they've generated six figures or seven figures or somewhere in between that. So I must need those things. And the reality is that your website, your branding, um, you know, fancy photo shoots and nice photos of yourself, like, you know, nice YouTube backgrounds and stuff like that. Those are a result of the money coming in. They are not what brought the money in. And so it's really important to understand those differences when you're just starting your business in terms of what's really important. So with a rebrand, I would spend 30 minutes on it and then allow yourself to be okay with it, knowing it's going to shift a buttload and it's going to shift even more once you actually have money coming in. But right now it's actually distracting you from doing the thing that's actually going to grow your revenue. 
Yeah. So Megan said, okay, so it has to be good enough for now. So I can make enough money to make it outstanding. hundred percent. Yeah. Right? Like, good enough for now. <laughs> good enough for now. Guys, the branding is not what matters. And, and Corlin nailed it on the head. We look at these seven figure, six figure, whatever entrepreneurs and think, you know what? Like they've got all this shit, the clean logos, they got professional pictures. They got like professional videos going on. Like, you know, but we forget that five years, 10 years ago, when they first started out, there was none of that, right? This is a result of them building their business to a point where they have a team that supports them. They have regular photo shoots, like this is what it is, right? Mm -hmm. And branding has become way more of a consistent thing before in the online coaching space. And I always really hated this, <laughs> but um, is like, people used to think like, you know, it was, it was a thing to be putting out new courses, new courses, new courses. And people just thought they needed new everything for every new course, like new headers, new color scheme for this, new this. And it's exhausting. And there's no brand consistency throughout the board. And things are shifting drastically. If you guys have been listening to people telling you that you need to be different, everything needs to feel different, look out at this space because we're going to show you how easy it is to actually, you know, make money in the online space by simplifying things. And we're not talking about the, oh, business gets to be easy. We do nothing. No, we're talking about like the, the easy wins that you can make, that you can do to make money in your business. That's what we mean, right? Like simplifying all the to-dos like this branding question guys if you haven't started your business and this is not you megan i know you're making money if you're first starting out in your business please do not rush to go pay someone to build a website for you please do not rush to go pay someone to create a huge brand branding for you logo whatever please do not rush to go take like professional looking photos this stuff is only going to put you in the hole before you even know what kind of business you have yeah. these things are not going to make money for you no it's simple yeah and if you do need to know what will make money for you you can join design to scale, which we'll put a link in earlier. Okay. That's branding. You guys have any other questions about branding, drop them below, but otherwise we're going to move, keep on going to Kimberly Burns question. Kimberly says, how do you block out time to stay on track with tasks? Mm. <laughs> um, Okay, there's two sides to this. Okay, so there's a lot of different like methods that you guys can use to start down the process of time blocking and blocking out tasks in your business. There is no right or wrong way to do it. So if I'm going to, if I sit here and give you guys like my lowdown on how, how I do it, there's absolutely no guarantee that that's going to work for you. Right. So some of the things that I've like tried over time is writing, like putting on my calendar, really specific tasks, like super, super small, like, you know, open Instagram post on Instagram, and like really breaking that down for you into small, minute tasks can be really helpful if you're someone who puts something on your calendar and then doesn't do it. 
The other way that you can kind of work is to have like internal days and external days. So internal days in your business is where you're looking at analytics. It's where you're prepping content for the week. It's where you're writing email sequences. It's where you're, you know, going inside your programs and making them better. External days are where you're externally focused. So you're posting your content on YouTube. You're networking with other people. You're doing lives in Facebook groups. You're getting on podcasts. And so it really comes down to understanding the different types of activities that you have going on in your business and then finding a path or a plan that works for you because there there really isn't a right or wrong way to do it. The other side of that though, for me personally, was like, (laughs) if you're someone who has tried time blocking and you make the time in your calendar and you like put the plan in there and then you, you know, the time comes and you don't do it. That's a, that's a trust issue with yourself. And that's like an integration issue that you have with yourself where you're not keeping your word. And there's nothing to be ashamed of in that. I think that we all go through that where we say, oh, you know, I'm going to work out tomorrow. And then that tomorrow comes and we don't do it. Or I'm going to go live tomorrow and we put it in our calendar and it comes and we don't do it. Um, That is not like a systems problem. That is a challenge with how you are approaching the way that you're doing things. Um, And so you want to break tasks down if that's where you are as small as humanly possible to rebuild trust in yourself that you're actually going to show up for yourself. Um, It's, I don't know, that's a tricky one, I think, but that's what comes up for me because I had a really hard time with this. I think it also depends, like, um, Kimberly, it depends, like, you know, we can give you, and, and I love how Corlin prefaced this because that's kind of how we preface everything that we do. Like, this is what works for us, but it's, it may not work for you. So take what you want and leave the rest. But it also depends, like, are you someone who's working full-time in their business? Are you someone who's got a full-time job? You're doing this at nighttime. Do you have kids at home with you? Like, it's easy for us to say like, Hey, like we're working full-time in our business. So it's easy for us to say like, Hey, I wake up in the morning, you know, I block off specific specific times, you may not have that ability depending on what your environment is. Right. And so it's, I think we, I think we do ourselves disservice of listening to people who might be full-time in their business and be like, this is how I stay active. This is how I block off my days. This is how I do this and that. And that's not your reality. And then you might judge yourself towards that. Like I'm not successful because I'm not doing things that way. I'm not this because I can't devote five or six hours a day doing it. Right. But there are a lot of tips and tricks. And one of the things that Corlin did touch on is like building that trust within yourselves. Guys, if you have a huge task to do, that is always overwhelming and daunting. And especially if like you've only got an hour a day to do it you know, thinking of doing that whole thing is going to be overwhelming. You're going to keep putting it off. You're going to keep putting it off. Then you're going to start to feel guilt. And like, every time you think about it, you just feel guilt, right? Like there's just so much energy being held in such a negative way in your body, in your mind everywhere. Right. And so breaking down them in little bits, and I'm going to use the analogy of (laughs) Corlin and I were just in Alberta and we climbed up this huge, huge mountain called Howling Peak. What was it? 2,200 meters or feet? Meters. Meters. Anyways, I was behind the pack with Zach, uh, one of our friends. And literally, like, we did not think, the guys thought, like, 
Zach is a smoker. Zach, you know, is a little out of shape. The guys did not think that he was going to make it to the top, but I was so determined to get him to the top one way or another. And so literally we would just like, we called it micro breaks. Okay. So we would literally just, I'd be like, okay, you see that tree right there. And I'm telling you just 10 steps ahead. Okay. That's the next one. And we'd walk like 10 steps, little micro break. We'd walk like 10 more steps, little micro break and we'd break it down we'd we'd set a goal we'd see it we walk there and we'd be like okay cool and then sometimes we'd push ourselves a little bit more than that like okay we can make it a couple more right and then like the next street and then take a little break and he made it to the top yeah he did he did he he made it to the top right his goal was to sit down have a rattler and a cigarette at the top <laughs> <laughs> And we got him there. The guys were so shocked that he got there, but there was no pressure. He didn't have to keep up with everyone else. He did it at his own pace. I supported him along the way. I didn't make him feel like shit for it. Right. And it's the same thing in our business, right? Especially when we have huge tasks, if you can mark little pointers and then you feel so, you feel like you've achieved something right? Like when you've done that, you feel like you've achieved something. So you've proven to yourself that you are capable and that you can do the next thing. Here's a couple tips that I've used that has helped me immensely, especially when we're starting out. When we're starting out, we always want to be available to people. We're scared to miss something. I actually turn off all my notifications on my phone. Nothing comes up on here except for missed calls. That's it. No text messages, no Facebook notifications, no nothing. Nothing comes up on my phone. That's number one. Same thing with my watch. I turned off all the notifications on my watch. Everything used to come up on my watch and I would get anxiety. Turned it all off. That's number one. Number two, set a timer. This is a really good tip. Set a timer for 25 minutes and then take a five minute break, do whatever. I can guarantee you when that 20, if you're just so focused for that 25 minutes, close everything down, guys, everything, anything that might ding you, make sense, I don't close any of my excess tasks, but I will close <laughs> down the things that ding, that would take me away, that would, whatever, right? And, and just do it. If you can do that twice a day for an hour, like 25 minutes, five minutes off, 25 minutes, five minutes off, and you're just so focused, I can guarantee you, you will get a lot of work done, especially yeah. If you have a limited amount of time, if you're someone who has a lot of time, right? <laughs> a lot of time and, and it happens, right? Like we're, we want to start a business. We're, we're our own bosses now. Now we have all this time. So we put off the one thing we put off the next thing, right? It happens. If you, it's, it's a thing of accountability, guys, you need to get so laser focused. And sometimes being laser focused is asking ourselves, like, what would the person that's doing seven figures, how would they be running their business? Not what would they be doing, like laying on a beach, blah, 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 whatever. What, what are these people doing to run their business? How are they showing up for themselves? And maybe just reminding yourself on a daily basis, right? Okay, if I want to be this seven figure owner that maybe has a team of like 20 people underneath me, what kind of precedence do I have to show? Right. Sometimes putting yourself in that mindset is very helpful too. So there's no, there's no one way to do this. You have to figure out 
what's attainable for you. And something Coraline and I really liked uh, last year were co-working sessions. Co-working sessions, yeah. Where that 25 minutes on, five minutes off, um, we did it on a Zoom meeting because, you know, we were in the pandemic and everything. So we do it on a Zoom meeting. We mute ourselves, we do work. And then 25 minutes in, we sit around and chat and then go back and do it. So sometimes you just need a little bit of that accountability too. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with needing a little bit of that accountability. Yeah. The accountability is one of the most important parts, I think, especially when you're starting out, you know, everybody says that quote of, um, you know, you become the five people you spend the most time with. And that's really, really important when you're first starting out, because if you're surrounded by a lot of people who don't know what you're doing, don't understand your vision, don't get where you're going, sitting down, no matter what, you know, task management, you know, softwares or like tools you've tried to add in time management tools you've tried to add in isn't going to work because you're surrounded with people who doubt you. And so, you know, one of the things that we really prioritize is that sense of community through here, which you guys are going to be seeing pop up a little bit more. And also inside the design to scale program, because everybody's working towards what you're working towards. And there's a momentum that comes with that. So if, you know, if you've tried all the, the time management tools and that's not working for you, try an actual group of, of people, whether that's digitally or whether you can go to a coffee shop even and sit down there for an hour. I always find I get 10 times more done when I leave my house and when I sit here sometimes all day long. And so it really becomes this mission of like, understanding yourself, understanding how you work, and then moving forward from there, um, knowing that there's no right or wrong way to do it. If you are someone who has a ton of time on your hands, one of the things that we see happen all the time is like <laughs> you make work for yourself that doesn't need to be there. Um, running your business really does come down to like four really simple pillars and that's leads. So potential new clients, sales. So actually getting clients in the door, testimonials. So actually having a really great like experience from your clients and quality control. So making sure that your programs and your offers are actually delivering what you say that they're going to offer. And if you are someone who, you know, has switched to full time and is like, you know, creating work for yourself. Oh, I've got to have a funnel and I've got to do these things and I got to do that thing. If you just focus on those four pillars, leads, sales, quality control, and testimonials, your business will grow as a result of that. And it's really important. Like one of the things that we do every day is I track, like, have I done a lead generating activity today? Have I done a sales generating activity today? Have I acquired or chatted about, or, you know, looked at where we could find potentially more testimonials? And have I gone back into the program and really truly done the things that I can do today to make it the best possible program? And after I've done that work, after I've done those four things, things and checked off boxes in those four sections, I allow myself to piece the hell out for the day because the reality is that we're here to build businesses, right? We're here to build um, businesses that give us freedom. And it's really easy as you're growing and as you're scaling to let that piece of it like fall off and just continue to fill your time with to-dos that aren't necessary. So if you are someone who, you know, find yourself like, what do I do? Go back to those four pillars, really focus on them consistently. And then when your work is done, trust that it's enough and allow yourself to step away. We don't want to be working all the time. We don't want to be sitting at our desks all the time. That's not the ultimate goal. The goal is to get in, 
get the income producing tasks you need done and to get out and go live your life. That's the point of your business. You're not going to miss people. People aren't going to miss out on joining your program because you're going to a yoga class or taking yourself for a walk, right? So get in, get the things done that are income producing and then get the heck out of there. This is not like, we don't need to be spending a ton of time doing our business tasks. They really can be done in a short period of time if you're focused and if you know what's important. Okay. I can't add to that because I was, I had to go to the washroom. <laughs> it's all I'm good. just going to say, yeah, yeah, what Coralyn said. Uh, Chriselda says, I'm preparing to beta test my parent coaching program. I need help with everything. How do you spell Chriselda? C-R-I-S-E-L-D-A. Um, so Chriselda, I mean, this is our jam. This is like literally what we've done for people for like the last five years each, <laughs> so 10 total years. And it's literally what we do in Design to Scale. So we can talk about a couple of the big mistakes we see people making um, that will help you kind of get started on the right foot. And then if you do find that you're needing additional support, our Design to Scale program is going to be a really great fit for you to help you get this out there in a way that is generating revenue for you, you're helping additional people and your business is growing naturally as a result of that. So um, the biggest mistakes we see people make when they are launching a program. The first one is creating the whole program. And I think Chantal and I have seen so many courses go to the course graveyard because um, we don't, we, we record everything first before we launch it. This is like shooting yourself in the foot before you even learn how to walk. Um, it's a really terrible idea for a couple of reasons. And the first one essentially being that courses, good courses give people a result and a transformation. And so if you sit there with your experience thinking, I know everything I need to know, and then create the course, you're actually not actually taking into consideration the very people who are going to go through it. We're assuming that we know everything that they need. Um, and that assumption, when you assume you make an ass out of you and you make an ass out of me, um, it really does hurt the overall quality of the content um, that you're putting out there. And it kind of can sometimes create a disconnect from your client. So we always recommend that you sell the program first, have a rough outline of what each of those weeks is going to look like, maybe even prep week one, but don't let yourself go beyond that before you actually sell it. There's also, and I'll let Chantal talk about why you want to. Yeah, uh, there's a couple reasons for this, guys. One, when you create the course ahead of time, you're so attached to that course and how things are supposed to be that when people are going in there and they're not getting the results, you get really discouraged. Okay. Because you don't know exactly like we can do all the homework in the world, right? Like we can do all the homework in the world. We can do all the self-help work in the world. We can do all the anger management work in the world, but until I'm faced with a situation that's going to create anger within me, I don't know if I'm actually going to deal with it properly. And it's the same thing with our courses, right? We can do all the homework that we want in terms of who our ideal client is. And a lot of times guys, like let's, let's just be realistic. We're teaching what we know. So it's something that we've gone through is something that we understand. And we think that we, these people know what they want, what they want or what it is, but there's so much shit that happens 
And there's so many different facets. And you got to remember, the more that you understand what it is that you're teaching, it, you're further and further away from the person that actually needs your services. And they're in a totally different headspace, right? This becomes your first language. This is their 10th. So you might be creating stuff thinking like, oh, this is well known. They're going to understand this when really it's like, damn, I needed to break that down 10 times more so that they can understand so that they could get a better result, right? Because the reality is we start a business wanting to help people. We feel amazing. We've gone through the, we've gone through it all. We want to teach people how to feel the same way, but we got to remember that this isn't about us, right? It's about the people that we're serving. And so the only way to under really understand what it is that they need is by putting people through a program. And that is what a beta launch is, is testing out everything, right? But most importantly, testing out the transformation that people are going to get within your program. So being able and open to switching it up, like, hey, I had intentions of doing this week one, this week two, but now realizing after week one, they need a little bit more support with this. I'm going to have to expand a little bit more on it on week two. Yeah. Right. And if you have that all pre-recorded or pre-done ahead of time, it's going to feel like you can't switch things up. And when you can't switch things up, there's going to be a huge disconnect. And one of the, I did hear the pillars part, one of the pillars that uh, Corlin was talking about is testimonials, right? Testimonials, people ranting and raving. Design to scale, I would say, what is the percentage of referrals that come in through design to scale? Like it's a very high percentage. 40% of students. 40, I was going to say 30 or 40. Yeah. 40% yeah. of our students are referrals because of the transformation that we give in that program. So that's one of the reasons. The second reason is if you go ahead and let's say you spend six months creating this program, once again, we're talking about these daunting tasks, right? Oh my God, I have to create this whole course before I sell it. Oh my God, I have to create this whole course before I sell it. In that six months, let's say it takes you six months to create that course. In that six months, that six months, you're not making money. Yep. Six months, you're not making money right? Six months, you're not understanding what people really need. Six months that you're not testing out the information that you have. That's six months lost. But also within that six months, you get so drained yep. of having created this course that by the time it comes to selling it, you're just over it. Like you're over it. Yep. Right? And a part of that as well, guys, is the energy that goes into that is totally different. It's totally different to sit down and create something at your computer, knowing that people are going to consume it than it is to sit down at your computer without knowing for certain that people are going to watch it. So when you pre-record all of your content, there's almost this like this doubt that also comes through the way that you're talking and the way that you show up because you're literally creating all of this content hoping that someone buys it down the road. Whereas if you market and launch your program first and get those people in the door, and here's the other thing that might happen, you might get nobody in the door when you market or launch it. You want to have that flop of a launch come when you haven't created all the content already, right? Like if you're going to have a flop and you are, it's guaranteed, like you're going to launch a course and it's going to suck. Like that's part of the process. It's part of 
running a business is having failures like that, right? It's going to happen. You want that to happen with as little skin in the game on your side as possible. So we don't want you to get to a point where you create a course that takes you six months to create it. You think it's the greatest thing in the world, which I'm sure is very valuable, but you launch it and it falls on flat ears. Now you've wasted six months of time in your business because why? Because we were so unbelievably attached to what this program or what this offer looks like, right? And so that's the biggest mistake that we see people make. Much, much better to come up with an idea for a program, maybe spend a day or two outlining what you want that content to look like. Again, something we can help you with in design to scale, and then jumping right into that launch process and seeing if it works, seeing if people are interested, right? And if you get two or three people in that launch process, wonderful. You now have a verified idea. You have a program that has the legs to grow and expand. We just need to narrow in on the marketing and then you create the content and it's, it's created with those three people. Even if it's just two people or three people, you automatically create that content with them in mind because you know who they are, what they're going through, what their challenges are. And that makes that program so much more valuable than if you just did it yourself and did the whole thing and then launched it to the world. So mistake number one is recording your entire program or trying to have it all figured out before you actually go ahead and launch it. So that's the biggest mistake that I see people making. Um, yeah. Um, and then mistake number two is people when you're doing a beta program is talking about what your program because if it's a beta program most likely this is what you guys like probably one of your four, first courses that you're doing is talking about the course itself that is not going to sell and put seats like week one we're going to do this week two we're going to do this people are just going to be like what the fuck is she talking about right it's about talking about the transformation that people are going to get it's about understanding where they currently are and where they want to be and that's that's where that's what's going to sell is when you can fully understand people and this is like i'm going to bring it's going to bring back to the to the not creating the course the first time around because you might think that you're talking to a specific person and then you're marketing to them and they get into this course and you're like these are not the fucking people i want to work with right these are not the people i want to work with like no i thought this is who i wanted to work with and it's not i need to shift this right and so being able to really understand and speak to those people and and know where they currently are, know where they want to be. And that's going to refine over time, right? The more people that go through your program, the more people, the more you understand them. And Corlin and I probably have this conversation like every other week, every. like, you know, the program has changed every other, you know, there's new ideas, there's new everything. And we've been very, very fluid with it with what design to scale started out with in the beginning is like something completely different it's like it's like the glow up of a century <laughs> right like if i wish i could post a picture that my sister fucking sent me 
not too long ago it was really sad but it's like i feel like design to scale is my 14 year old to 35 year old self glow up <laughs> i love that so much um, right and so it's it's going to happen so i think those are the two biggest things one creating your course ahead of time especially not understanding anything about who's going through your program and who you want to work with and um number two is talking about what's inside the program that yeah. should never be there you know the thing with courses is we think that the more information that's inside them the more valuable they are and that's the exact opposite truth there is no shortage of information on the internet you can literally google yandex whatever platform you want to use you can <laughs> yandex Yandex. Y'all don't use Yandex. Google's filtered y'all just so you know. Um, if you want the real search results, use Yandex, but, um, <laughs> talking about that underground fucking shit right there for underground, sure. underground, uh, searching. Yes. If you do not want filtered censored search results, please do not use the big G. Um, okay. So going back, what were we talking about? I'm really concerned right now. Like, do I need to come to your house and check your search history? I'm like, no. Do we, do we need to have a conversation after this is done or are we good? No, we're good. <laughs> um, what is that? How do you spell it? Yandex, Y-A-N-D-E-X. It's a Russian search engine. It's just not filtered. Like Google filters out a lot of content based on what they want you to see. Like, I'm serious. Like, Google. Yeah, but is out. the government going to come? The question is, is the government going to come to us now and be like, they're a Yandex user? Watch them. They're a Yandex user. No, they already know you're a Yandex user or not. For sure they do. 100% they know. But, anyways, we think that information is what people want. Information is not what people want. People are overwhelmed by information already. What people want is a transformation, like Chantal was saying. They want to know that you're going to get them from one place to another, and you're not going to tell them anything in that process that they don't need to know. People are already overwhelmed with information. So sitting down, for example, if we said to you, if you join Design to Scale today, we're going to teach you how to build a landing page, how to launch a course, how to create a checkout, what a bump offer is, how to create a funnel, how to create a flow. Eventually, we're going to build your website. You'd be like, I'm out of here, which is why that's not how we market the program at all. We say if you are a business owner who's having a challenging time launching and growing your business, the tech is challenging for you. This is the place that you need to be in. We walk you through step by step how to go from you know, potentially not even having a brand to having a full-fledged brand, being an authority in the space and an incredible program that transforms the life of others and yourself. Like that's simple, right? And, and the best part is you start making money before you even ever have a fucking website. You only website. need two things set up to start making money. We show you how to do it. You can start making money within 30 days or less. That's it. You can start making money tomorrow. Yeah, if you wanted to, right? And so it's really truly marketing your course, telling people what is inside is a good way to like lose people. I talked about this at the very beginning. Story is the most powerful form of selling and information delivery that we have. Look around you, every TV show, every movie, every book, every person that you probably follow 
has told their story or you resonate with their story. I told this story on my Instagram last week where literally last year at the start of 2020, I did one live video in a Facebook group where I talked about my story going from working in uh, like as a social media strategist to running my own online website design agency, I shared the story of that. I didn't talk about how good I was as a website designer. I didn't talk about what I was able to do. I literally just shared my story of how I landed in that Facebook group on that day, offering website design services. And that one Facebook live literally fueled my business for the entire year. I had to do no other marketing. And so if you're going out there and you're like having conversations with people or you're putting out content that's very focused on, you know, module one is this and module two is that, you're going to lose people because people don't care. People do not care how you get them a result. They care that you can get it, right? And so people don't give a shit about what's in your program. And I'm sorry, but most of the time people will do what you ask them to if it gets them a transformation and so if you're talking about the details you're losing people they're yeah. bored they're if bored they, yeah if they and here's the deal if they knew about the details they wouldn't be coming to you right, right. like if they knew the details they wouldn't be coming to you. oh fuck i cringe when i think back of some of my first sales calls eons ago and i'd be like thank you great so i'm going to walk you through my emotional blueprint and we're going to look at all these stages and blah 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 and no wonder, no wonder. But if I were to say like, Hey, listen, I'm going to bring you from really, really insecure, feeling unloved, learning that maybe what you've been focusing on isn't the priority and show you like how to really start feeling great again and loving yourself. They'd be like, yeah, that's exactly what I need. Right. And the thing is guys is the minute we start telling people what's inside the program, we lose confidence in ourselves, right? We're muttering off all these things in hopes that it makes us sound like we know what we're talking about. When the reality is, is like, you don't need to know, like, that's not the case. The case is, is you're an expert in your field, right? The things that you teach them is not like it's going to feel a lot of those people it's going to feel overwhelming to them especially if it's like you know someone has absolutely no self-care time we're like i'm going to show you how to meditate <laughs> for an hour a day and you're like what no fucking way like Not i ain't got time for this right like it's going to feel overwhelming so you got to remember that being focused on providing a solution is great. But once again, and I'm going to come back to like the first time that we're launching a program and doing anything of that nature is that when we are doing this and we're not running people through it, we don't have any social proof. Yep. That's what beta programs are for is to not only okay. refine the program, but to get that social proof so that you can start proving that you are legit, that people have gone through here and have gotten transformations, right? It's that simple. But if you're too busy focusing on building a course, that's six months of not getting any transformations for people. That's six months where you're still trying to prove yourself that you're an authority instead of actually helping people. 
The only thing that you guys need to know how to do to sell a program is say, I am a business strategist and I can help you. And I'm serious. Like that really truly is enough. People ask us all the time, like, how do I have, you know, how do I launch the program? How do I get it in the hands of people? It's like, just start talking to people and not just people who you identify as being in your niche, right? Like anyone. Everyone, everyone is worthy of your time. Everybody is worthy of connecting with you. Everybody, you are not discriminating against people because what happens, and I hate that people ask us to do this, is like, who's your ideal client? And I, we teach ideal client, right? It's important to know who you're working towards having this offer before, but what you end up doing is pigeonholing who you think you want to work with and forgetting all of those people who may be outside of that definition who could really fit with your program or maybe have a really incredible transformation. And so what you need to be doing when you're beta launching, it's not about focusing on like, you know, putting out the best types of content or anything like that. You need to be talking to people. You need to be getting in their inboxes, having conversations, going live in Facebook groups, literally meeting as many people as humanly possible because good businesses are built on relationships. And that has never changed from the time of like when Walmart first started to the store it is now, like to like every single business is built initially on really great, incredible relationships between people, even Starbucks, right? The name on the cup, that is something that they do to build relationship and build connection with people. That is what started Starbucks as being the brand that it is today, is that personal touch. So don't allow yourself when you guys are launching a program to overcomplicate it and think you need complex funnels. What you need is to connect with as many people as humanly possible and to say to them, I am a coach. I am, you know, a strategist. I am whatever you think fits with you and I can help you. And that's it. And that's all people care about. Can you help me? That's what they want to know the answer to. And when you have that in your mind and you can say to them with confidence, Hey, I'm Corlin Hazelwood. I'm a business strategist for coaches and course creators, or, you know, corporate X nine to fivers looking to transition into the online space. And I can help you. Like that's enough. It's confident. It's clear. And people know, oh, okay, that girl can help me. They don't care how I help them. They just want to know that I can. And yeah, that's I, the most important thing. You know, and then you get to a point where you're super like confident. You're like, yeah, yeah. I solve these problems for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like it's not an <laughs> issue. Like it's <laughs> not an issue. Right. And those people are like, all right, let's do this. Right. It gets to that point, but also guys, like this fucking bullshit of like, I don't want to talk to anyone unless they're paying oh, me or this or that. Like, I, I strongly don't believe in that. I think it's a really like, I think there's this weird thing going on in the coaching industry. And I'm just going to flat out say this. And these are my beliefs. Personally, I'm not imposing this on Coraline at all. Take it or leave it if you want. But like people who want to say they're like, over bro marketing but yet they're not they don't want to hop on a sales call with anyone or you know they only want to talk to people and they're only going to spend time with people if they know they're going to purchase their courses like I call the biggest I, I just to me that feels so icky like to me that just feels so gross and you never know where a conversation is going to lead you Ever. right? You don't know who these people know. You don't know what they do. Right. And 
I'm not saying like, go ahead and give your whole program to someone in your DMs. That's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is like, people are human beings. And if you had a storefront of people who are coming in, even people who are like, I'm just browsing, would you be like, get out of my store? <laughs> like, no, right? Like you wouldn't be like, get out. Hey guys, can I help you anything? Just looking. Sorry, you can't look, get the fuck out. Like, no, right? Like you would have a really icky reputation. People would be like, don't go into that store. That person is a douche, right? I'd rather be like, oh yeah, no worries. You know, blah, blah, blah. And I would take it a step further, right? If someone was in my store, just browsing, like, where are you guys from? What are you guys doing today? I would go that extra mile and just start up a conversation because that to me is what running a business is about right? Like that to me is making those personal connections. It's like this person may not be buying anything in my store this time around, but they might've seen something that someone else would love, or they might've just had the best experience that they're going to tell everybody else to come into my store and to buy something. Yeah. Right. There's, there's a, I completely agree with you by the way. So like, we're not imposing your Like a lot of people know that, like, I believe in service first, regardless of who is there. Like if you could jump in my inbox and you ask me a question, I'm not that person who's like, oh, you should pay me before I answer it. Like, sorry, I'm going to help you. Right. Because the reality is when I was starting my business, not many people helped me. Like it was very much like this wall of like this paywall that you hit and, you know, we don't want you guys working for free, but like, there's a difference between giving someone your energy and being supportive and showing up and helping them that trickles back to you in really, really big ways. And so regardless of who the person is or whether you think they can afford your program or whether whatever other things you're adding into that pot, your assumptions and your judgments about them, your job when you're in that, in your business, always, not even just when you're in your beta is to throw all of your assumptions and all of your judgments out the window, because you really truly have no idea who that person is, who they know or what they're going through. And if you ever get to a point in your business, and I'm not going to lie, I like had a thought last week that was very much down the rabbit hole. Like I'm, I can't get on the call with everybody anymore. Um, And like had to bring myself back to what I'm here for, which is service. But the moment you as a business owner start getting into your own shit of like, oh, I'm too good for that. You have, you have lost what it means to be a business owner because being a business owner, being an entrepreneur is about being scrappy. It's about being humble. It's about like giving and, and receiving, right. And If you allow yourself to go down that thought process of like, oh, I'm too good to get on a call with her or that person can't afford it or, you know, I should be being paid for this, which you should be 110%, you should be paid for it. But if you go down that path, you've lost your humbleness and your humbleness is what makes you human and it's what makes you relatable and it's what makes your brand something and you as a person, someone that something that people want to work with and invest in. And it's really important that you maintain that integrity the whole way through this whole, like sit on your couch and post really great content and just expect people to come to me. People are going to find me. It's a weird mentality and I hope nobody gets lost in it because it doesn't serve you or doesn't serve anybody. I still send new messages to people every single day. 
people who don't know me every single day. Someone follows me, I message them. Someone asks me a question somewhere, I answer it. Someone replies to my email, I send them a video back. Like my time is only as good as the impact that it makes. And for you guys who are just starting out, talking to people, getting to know them, unattached to whether or not they're going to buy your program is going to be the thing that changes the future of your business. Oh, I think I want to touch on that too. Mm. The unattachment. When we're starting out or when we're running a beta program, these conversations that we're having with people don't get down the rabbit hole of having a conversation with somebody like, this is the person they're going to buy my program. That's it. Awesome. I got $500 coming in. I'm going to do this, that guys, it's just not how it goes right? Like this person you might be having a conversation with today might not buy for like another year and a half. Sometimes that's just the way it goes, right? A small, small, small percentage of people are going to buy right off the hop. Small, one to 2%, one to 2%. So think about it this way. One to 2%, that's out of a hundred people. One or two of them are going to buy right away. So if you're only talking to one or two people, chances are very slim that they're going to be the ones that are going to be investing in your program. It's that simple. And over time, that number, that one to 2% increases as you get better about talking about your program, identifying problems, putting out good content that really attracts your people, right? But when you're in the beginning phase, like I think we gave an example of this on one of our calls last week. Um, Someone who I just recently started following, and I love this analogy, her name's Stacey Bowman, and she talked about this thing that she was doing called circular dating. And essentially it's like, you're a single woman and you have to have 10 people in your circle that you're talking to at all periods of time. So that's 10 men who are in your circle that you're actively having conversations with. Okay. And if you think about the energy, think about like a single woman sitting in a coffee shop and a hot man comes up to her. It's been a year since she's been in a relationship or like how to spark her connection. She's now making that one man in that coffee shop, like the one, right. And we've all done this. He's the one I'm going to marry him. He's incredible. Oh my God. He came to me at a coffee shop, how romantic. And we just put this attachment onto him. And on his side, what we call that is desperation, right? <laughs> Love me. I love you. You're the one. You're like, you're the one. What that does is it repels people to the point of like, like it's repelling. Like it's like wearing bug spray and you're, and you're like a little mosquito around him. Okay. You're repelling. Um, Essentially what we want to do is we put 10 men in the bucket, right? We put 10 people in the pool. And that way, if Michael doesn't message us back one day, It doesn't matter because we're having conversations with Troy and Tony. And what that ends up doing is it cuts down that mind chatter of like, he's the one, Michael's the one, I'm going to talk to Michael. The same is true as you're building relationships with people online. You want to have multiple conversations going, being unattached to where they go, and just trusting that eventually, if this person is the right fit for your offer, for your program, that it will come up naturally in conversation and that we don't have to stronghold the conversation in that direction. And it gives you this sense of flow. And what it does is it makes you attractive, right? It's like when you're like, hey, hey, pay attention to me. I love you. I'm going to, I'm going to put everything into this, right? People are like, what the fuck? And listen, we listen, if you're going to tell me you've never been in this situation, 
I'm going to try to say okay but I feel like we've all kind of been in this situation where we're like you know I want a man who's just going to be all about me and blah 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 but then you're talking to men and this one guy who's like really into you asking you a lot of questions messaging you all the time you're like he's pretty needy yeah he's pretty needy and the guy who's like not really getting back to you is like the one you want the attention from the most you're like why isn't this guy messaging me back what the fuck and you're being the needy one right and so the energy that Coraline is talking about that that attractiveness is like you're not so attached to someone who's like if someone just falls off the face of the earth you're like okay thank you. Like, obviously wasn't a good fit. Like on to the next one. Thank you. Bye. You know what I mean? And thank you next. And, and it's gotta be the same in your business. Right. But it doesn't mean like, we don't want you to become jaded because someone just like decided it's not for you and bringing it back to like having these conversations with people, guys, every conversation you're not having, someone else is having a conversation with them. And Rebecca said, so when people follow you, do you just message them with a thanks for the follow? Let me know if you need anything sort of deal. And I responded, no, that sounds like a bot. Get more personal. Yeah. I <laughs> right? mean, like, anybody can say that. Hey, it's so nice. Let me know if you need anything. No, you can go. I got to go wash. Yeah. The thing was saying too, like, that's a very like closed question. Let me know if you need anything. You want to ask open questions, right? So a good way to keep a conversation going and what makes people, there's actually a study about this, which I found really interesting, but people like people when they ask them questions about themselves, right? So when you're building relationships with people, you want to start the conversation. So I always tend to like, if I was standing in a coffee shop and someone, you know, was standing there beside me or like, I don't know, I started to have this conversation. When I think about doing that on Instagram, like every time someone follows me or like engages with me, um, I think like, what would I say out loud? I'd be like, Hey, who are you? Like, how did you, you know, like, what's your story? What do you do in the world? Um, Is kind of probably the trip that I would go down. Right. And so that's how I do it on Instagram is I either send a voice memo that's just like really natural and organic, or I'm just like, Hey, I saw you recently joined our community. I saw you do this type of work, go to their profile, look at what they do. Uh, how did you get into this line of work? Like, what's your story? And that starts a conversation with them that's very focused on them. It's not focused on me. It doesn't feel like sleazy marketing. And it's not sleazy marketing because I'm genuinely not attached to whether or not they join the program. That's not what the conversation is about. The conversation is for me to learn how they ended up doing the work that they wanted to do in the world. The conversation is for me to gain insight into another type of person, another type of business owner, another type of human being that's finding my content interesting. There's no agenda, right? Like I don't send those messages with the intention of having them join Design to Scale. Does that happen sometimes? Yes. Is that great when that happens? Yes, but I'm not attached to that being the outcome. I'm literally doing it because I genuinely care about people and I genuinely want to know how they came to be doing the work that they're doing in the world. And so there's no like cookie cutter response that you can send. It's really truly about like what is the right message for you? And Rebecca, because I know you're in design to scale, we do cover this in phase four in the launch plan, like how to actually have those conversations and what it truly means to be building connections and engagement. But, um, you know, you should be spending a solid amount of your time, especially if you're like, you know, I've got my Kajabi backend set up, a solid amount of your time should be spent on 
networking in places that you wouldn't even go to for things. So for example, I know that Rebecca, you focus on unleashing the mindset work for bloggers and, and, and at-home business owners, right? The most people would tell you to go have conversations with people in business Facebook groups. No, I want you to go into guinea pig Facebook groups. I want you to go into face. I know you love guinea pigs, um, <laughs> but you know, go into Facebook groups where there are people talking about graph, like graphic design or, you know, furniture design and just have genuine connections and conversations with people. And eventually that leads to people going, so what do you do? And then you say, oh, I'm Rebecca. I'm a mindset coach for, you know, online business owners or for business owners who are feeling stuck. And eventually that might lead somewhere and it might not. But if you're constantly in flow and having new conversations, you're going to be a lot less attached to um, all of that bullshit in your head of like trying to sucker them into a sale or like, this is the one, this is the thing that's going to, you know, change. And, you know, that's my one, you know, I got these post-it notes, like that's my one post-it note that I have for the month. Like, you don't want to do that. Like for every one person you want in your program, I want you to go talk to 20. Like that's the, that's the energy that it takes to really, truly, especially in those beginning phases of your business, get that momentum to actually grow it and scale it. Um, after that, it's still a really important part of what I do every single day. And what Chantel does every single day is building connections with other human beings. It's really important. It's the foundation of everything that you do. Okay. The biggest lesson too, is like continuing to build the relationships and connections with people that are paying clients. Like, yeah, I'm done. I have chocolate on my teeth. I was so hungry. I feel you. All right, that was a lot today. That was an hour long, <laughs> just over an hour, but tons of really great stuff in here for you guys. If you guys are in the process where you have a business or you have a vision or you've been through something in your life and you're struggling to figure out how to actually bring that to life online, whether that's the marketing, the tech side, the what is my course, what is my program, how do I launch it? Any of those questions at all, I want you guys to go ahead and book a call with Chantel and I. Um, again, we're just going to connect with you, start talking, see where you want to go, see if design to scale might be able to support you in getting there. And if not help you get towards that goal, um, of having that scalable business. Okay. So always we're going to drop the link below. You can always book a call with us to have a chat, to figure out the direction that you need to see if this really is a good fit for you, um, and get you guys moving towards having those five-figure, six-figure consistent, um, consistent consistent revenue coming in. Consistent is the key word. And it doesn't have to take a lot of time, guys. It does not have to take a lot of time. Even if we look at Design to Scale as a program in general, I launched it in December of last year, so December 2020, and we've got it to consistent $30,000 months in under six months. So it doesn't have to take a lot of time when you have a process and you have a system in place to actually follow and the additional support of making sure that that system is also unique to you, which is what our support calls do inside the program, okay? So with that being said, let us know if you guys have any questions moving forward. We'll continue to do these because they're fun. And yeah, we miss doing these. We miss doing these. So we'll be, we'll be back doing more of these. So you have no choice but to like hang out with us. Yeah. Sorry. Not sorry about it. Okay. Bye y'all.